Well, good morning, Access Church. How's everybody doing today? Uh, Would you just join me in a word of prayer as we get started? God, we just pray that you would give us all wisdom and understanding as we approach your scripture today. Help us, Lord, to uh, hear your word and to understand more today and also be humble as we receive it. And God, we pray for this, pray for your guidance today, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Today, we're going to talk about surviving criticism. Now, we live in a critical culture. I don't know if anybody has run statistics on this, but it just seems like criticism is at an all-time high in our culture. People feel free to just say what they want, when they want. And and by the way, the kind of criticism we're talking about today is not the friend-to-friend criticism, meaning uh, they're pointing out a blind spot in you or they're encouraging you in some way. Uh, We're not talking about that kind of a criticism. What I'm talking about is the person that is unnecessarily critical, the person that doesn't have your best interests in mind. Their goal is to tear you down rather than to build you up. It's personal for them. And all of us face criticism from time to time. Now, listen, God has blessed me in my ministry with very supportive churches for the most part and very supportive uh, leadership teams and and uh, and just encouraging situations. But there are always moments where uh, you will face this, and I have done this. Anytime you lead, you're going to face this kind of a thing. And I think a few weeks ago or months ago, I may have told you as we were merging together with the church in Middletown that there was uh, a couple rough spots, and there was a guy there that uh, he, he wasn't particularly fond of me, and, and uh, I was preaching, and And after I was preaching one night, we had a meeting together, and he came up, and he was very serious, and he said, "Uh, listen, I don't like the music. He said, it's different, and it's nothing personal about the worship leader. I don't mind him, but it's just the songs. They're like camp songs, and I don't like it. But then he looks at me and goes, but this is personal. And it was like, okay, well, I've got to get prepared. You know, that was the opening line. But this is personal. And he goes, out of every message you've ever preached, I never liked one of them. I've never gotten one thing out of anything that you've said. And you talk too fast, he said. And I said, oh, well, okay. And, you know, maybe, well, I'm here every other week, you know, just enjoy the other weeks. I don't know, you know, what, what do you do? And, and then a, cu- a few weeks later, he came up to me and said, he said, that was still too fast. And I had actually made a really concerted effort to kind of slow down a little bit. And I said, listen, I've slowed down as much as I can slow down. You're going to have to listen a little faster. And his wife was behind him. She goes, yes, you know, because she knows that this is how he is. And then a few weeks later, he came up to me and he said, now that message, I understood. And then he walked away. He didn't say it was good. He didn't say he liked it. He didn't say he hated it. But at least we're making progress. He understood it. Well, how do you deal with criticism when it is personal? Today, I'm not talking about constructive criticism or speaking the truth in love. I'm not talking about mid-course corrections. I'm talking about the person who finds something negative to chew on and eats on that, even though it's only 2%, 98% positive. I'm talking about the husband or wife who ignores the good and looks for ways to exploit the weaknesses. I'm talking about the single person who demands such perfection from other people that he or she has no in-depth relationships because there are so many surface judgments. 
I'm talking about the church member who goes to church and picks away at everything in leadership and they go home without receiving very much at all because they've seen it with a critical eye. I'm talking about the employee who behind the scenes at work is just chipping away at the faults of the leader of the company or the flaws of the support staff. That's the kind of criticism I'm talking about today. Maybe the kind of criticism that you face when you are on social media and uh, it seems like this is at an all-time high also as people say whatever they want to say and they go from the idea to a very personal attack. By the way, while we're going to be talking about how do we deal with criticism, if you would allow me just for a moment, if you are a critical person, let me offer you just a couple thoughts. Be careful how you give criticism. Be sure to talk about the issue and not the person. Speak the truth in love, not with an agenda or with, uh, with an attitude, but with compassion. Put yourself in the other person's shoes for a moment. Do as the Bible says, be slow to speak, slow to become angry, and quick to listen. And go to the person personally. If you have a challenge with somebody, the Bible says, go to them. Don't talk to other people about it. You talk to the person. Now, in the Bible, there are a lot of good examples of how people dealt with criticism. I think about the Apostle Paul, who was constantly under attack and put down, and yet he continued in the ministry. I think about Moses, who delivered the people from slavery in Egypt, and yet they get out in the wilderness and they start to grumble and complain about the way that Moses is leading. But I think the one that mostly hits me is the life of Christ. Because Jesus was constantly criticized throughout his three-year ministry. He was called a drunk because he hung out with people who were. He was called a blasphemer because he said he was God, even though he was. He was criticized for breaking the Jewish law. He was mocked and made fun of on the road to the cross. No doubt about it, Jesus is a good example about how to deal with criticism. But when I think about the most practical way that I can deal with criticism, I think about the life of a guy in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. And when you know the story of Nehemiah, you know that God put something on his heart. God called him to rebuild the wall of Israel. The people of God were exiled into another land, and now they were on their way back. And Nehemiah, the, the wall around the city had been destroyed, and Nehemiah felt called by God to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And so he prayed, and he sought the king's advice. And then in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Nehemiah said to them, You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, and what the king had said to me, because he supported the mission. And they replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. So immediately they started to do something good on behalf of the Lord. And that's verse 18. And what, what I want you to notice is immediately in verse 19, some critics come out of the woodwork. But Sambalot the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? So immediately when there was a good work going on, there were critics that came out to criticize it. And I've seen that in my life too. Anytime you're trying to do something good, anytime you're trying to lead something, there will be those who try to speak against it and against you. So how did Nehemiah respond to this? I wrote this outline years ago on the heels of a very, very challenging time in ministry. And so 
I just want to admit right up front that even as I give this today and tell a couple of the stories, it's amazing how raw they still feel even after all of these years. The first thing I would say is respond only if necessary. Don't be defensive. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20 says, I answer them by saying the God of heaven will give us success, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or history's right to it. Don't you love the way Nehemiah responded to these three critics? Notice that they immediately said, aren't you rebelling against the king? Nehemiah didn't even address that. He didn't even talk about that at all. He just simply focused on the positive, and he said, he just ignored the question, and he said, the God of heaven will give us success. I'm not going to deal with that uh, lie that you just told. I'm just going to go on and tell you that God is going to give us success. And I think that's such a great example of how to deal with criticism. Abraham Lincoln is remembered as one of our nation's finest presidents, but he received a lot of criticism. And one time he said, if I stop to read, much less answer every letter of criticism I receive, this office would have to be closed for nothing else but that of dealing with critics and complainers. And I think that's good leadership. I believe that 95% of the time, criticism should be ignored. Uh, when you respond to the critics, you, it takes time, it takes energy, you're giving credibility to their argument. So the best course of action is often just to ignore the criticism. And by not responding, you're saying, I'm doing a good work, and I'm going to keep focused on what I'm doing. I think Abraham Lincoln was right. People who want to criticize oftentimes are not seeking your best interest. They're looking to just speak their mind. They don't want to encourage you. Their goal is to tear you down and to make it personal. But there are times where criticism does need to be answered. It could be undermining the credibility of a worthy project or of the leader, and it can be so damaging that it has to be addressed. And sometimes a simple answer can silence the critic or, pr or prove the innocence of the leader. Jesus usually ignored criticism, but occasionally he would respond to it. One time his critics said to him, Jesus, you're casting out demons by the devil's power. And Jesus just replied, no. The devil's not going to cast himself out. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And the devil is not going to oppose himself. And he's not going to stand. And the critics were silenced, and Jesus just quietly and quickly responded to their accusation. Now, if you do respond, don't be defensive. And this is something that I've had to grow in over the years, because when you first receive criticism, and it's very personal, you want to respond to every accusation. You want to kind of fight back, defend yourself, and you you don't realize in that moment that that person isn't interested in dealing with those things. They're just simply wanting to tear you down. Years ago, I served in a challenging ministry environment, and it was challenging for everybody that was involved, and uh, there was a lot of leadership tension and a, a lot of tension within the church itself, and it ended up in part in us letting a staff member go, and that was very difficult for everybody involved. But there was a group of people that really loved this individual, and so they were very upset, and they got a petition together, and we want to get rid of Stephen, and he's the problem. He's, it's all his fault. And so one of our leaders said, let's come together in a meeting at my house, and let's have Stephen there, and he'll, he can address these things. Seemed like a good idea, right? 20, 25 people, and me. I walked into the house, said hello to the host. Other than that, as people came in, nobody said anything to me. 
all were gathered, all were talking to one another, and it was just as if I didn't exist. And so now the moment came, and we're going to sit together. Let's deal with these concerns. How's it going to be handled? And so I had to think a lot about how am I going to handle these concerns? And, and so we sat down, and the host said, all right, we know why we're here. Let's talk. And, and, uh, and so, Stephen, I'll turn the floor over to you. And so I, I, I just sat there. I said I had a notepad, and, and I said, uh, hey, be all right, everybody. I'd love to hear your concerns. And uh, I'll just be writing them down, taking notes today. And and then after that, if you wouldn't mind, I'll have a t- chance to address those. That sound good to everybody? Everybody goes, yeah, that sounds good. And, uh, and so I said, all right, uh, let's get started. And I turned to the lady on my left, and I said, all right, you begin. And now suddenly the spotlight was off of me, and it was on to her. And it was a bit of an uncomfortable moment. And then she, she finally got the gusto to just say, okay, well, I don't like this. I don't like this. You do this. I don't like this. Like, I'm just taking notes. Okay, you don't like those things. All right. And then I was like, all right, next. Is that all? Okay, yeah, that's good. Next. And then her husband basically said what she had just said. Well, I don't like this, and I want to reaffirm what she just said, and I don't like this, and I'm taking notes. And then the next person, they pretty much had the same things. And the next person, by this time, I'm summarizing on my paper what they're saying. And then the next person and the next person, by the time we get over here, this person says something. And one of these people back at the beginning said, I don't think he does that. And they were like, I think he does. I don't think he does. I think he does. And I'm just taking notes, man, just taking notes. And then we get around the rest of the circle, and we get over to here, and there was a lady who said something so hateful about me, about our family, that the room gasped. It was that awful. And, and then we just finished the circle, and after it was over, I said, it's two and a half hours later. I said, all right, um, be all right, everybody, if we just take a break, and, and uh, everybody needs a restroom break. Okay, it sounds good, so we do that. I just go into the restroom, and I just take my notepad and take just this huge breath of like, oh, okay. And walk back out, and I begin to walk through, summarize the things that they had talked about, and then begin to give my perspective. Immediately, somebody wanted to jump in and, and kind of argue about my perspective, and I said, now, listen, you guys had two and a half hours. You know, let me just share what I think. And I would love to tell you that the end of that meeting was just high fives and hugs in the middle of the room and a lot of kumbaya. You know, it wasn't. But it wasn't exactly like it had been. And it could have gone much, much worse. And and there was a time to address their concerns. Here's what I'm saying. I've had to learn that it's good not to be defensive. And a lot of times where somebody's giving you criticism, it's usually not the surface things they're criticizing that they're most concerned about. And sometimes just through reflective listening and tell me more, and it seems to me that you're saying this, no, I'm not saying that. Okay, let's go deeper, that you'll get to a deeper root of the issue. Number two, be confident the truth will prevail. Don't buy the lie. There may be some element of truth to a criticism And if that's the case, then evaluate the comments and make mid-course corrections as needed. But oftentimes, criticism is filled with only a little tiny bit of truth and a lot of opinion. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1 says, When Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring those stones back to life from those heaps of burned rubble? Can they bring, uh, or can they bring those back? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, Why are they building? Even a fox, if he climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Maybe a little bit of truth. 
Maybe the Jews were a little bit weak at that time, coming back from exile. But they were being unnecessarily harsh. And then they get more personal. Nehemiah chapter 6, Sambalot writes, It is import, reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true. That's one of my favorite lines of this whole story, And because Geshem knows, man. And Geshem says it's true, that if you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There's a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king as soon, uh, or so let us come and confer together. Verse 8, Nehemiah responds, I sent them this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. Don't you love what Nehemiah does there? He ignores every bit of that criticism and just says, nothing like what you're saying is true. You're just making it up out of your head. We too often believe the critics. We take it to heart when people make fun of us or pick out a feature or ridicule us or criticize our work. There's just usually a little bit of truth in the criticism, and we tend to focus on that. Friends, please don't buy the lie. Realize that the truth will come out in the end. Abraham Lincoln, again, one time when one of his advisors told him of a criticism, he said, Mr. Lincoln, what are you going to do? And Mr. Lincoln said, I'm going to live in such a way as to prove that the accusation is a lie. He decided that through his life and history would retell a different story. The perfect example of how to deal with criticism again is the life of Jesus. At his lowest moment, as he's dying on the cross, his critics came out of the woodwork and said, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross if you're the son of God. He saved others. He can't even save himself. Here he is dying on the cross. And how did he respond? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Jesus had all the power of the universe at his fingertips. He could have called 10,000 angels in a moment, but he was gentle. He responded to the critics by saying, Father, forgive them. And three days later, the truth emerged victorious from the grave. And, the, and history retold a different story. You be confident that the truth will come out in the end. Don't believe everything the critic tells you. Number three, pray for the work and for your critics, but don't retaliate. Pray for your critics. That's such a hard thing to do when somebody's criticizing you, is to fall to your knees and pray for them, pray for their life. That's the last thing we want to do. We often want to retaliate. We're like the uh, hardware store owner where the lady came in, she wanted to buy a new broom, and she goes to the broom section, and she's like, these handles are no good. They will never hold up. Their structure is so unstable. The straw is not dependable. The handle is rough. I don't know what possible purpose these brooms could serve. And the clerk had enough. He said, well, why don't you take one, ride it home, and then see how it holds up. And that's what we do. It feels good to retaliate maybe for a moment, but then... You realize that in the end, it doesn't get you anywhere, but prayer does. Here's how Nehemiah prayed. It's not really a prayer of blessing. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as a plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Now, that's a bit personal, but I love the fact that basically Nehemiah is saying, 
God, this is yours to deal with, not mine. You do what you think is right here. Nehemiah later prayed in chapter 6, verse 9, God strengthened my hands. And in verse 14, God remember Tobiah and Sambalot because of what they have done. Remember also the prophetess, Noadia, and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me. Just this quiet strength. Tony Campolo tells of watching Martin Luther King and his followers kneel and pray on the bridge to Selma. The police came in wielding clubs and knocking heads, and Campolo said that at that moment when the demonstrators did not retaliate and the camera showed their bloody faces, he knew that Martin Luther King had won. What looked like an immediate defeat for King ultimately sparked the conscience of a nation, as of a nation and love won out over hatred. It takes tremendous self-control not to retaliate in the face of criticism. Jesus one time said, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other. Do not take revenge, my friends. It is written, it is mine to repay, says the Lord. Number four, be diligent in your work and don't get discouraged. I love the phrase that Nehemiah says in chapter four, verse six. So we rebuilt the wall to all of it reached half its height for people worked with all of their might. Despite the criticism, from their enemies, the people worked with all of their might, and the wall was re being rebuilt. Now, I know the tendency is to get discouraged when you get criticized. And friends, I have been there. And I have felt the pain of criticism more than once. And if you are being criticized, don't be discouraged. Realize that God is on your side. And remember that no matter how many people come against you, you and God always make a majority. Don't follow the critics' advice. Stephen Brown, the well-known Bible teacher from Key Life Ministries, one time reminds us of the Aesop fable about an old man and his grandson who made their way into town with a donkey. The grandfather put the boy on the donkey until he heard people say, look at that selfish child making that old man walk. And the grandfather couldn't stand to have people criticize his grandson, so he asked the boy, you walk, I'll ride. Then he heard people say, look at that selfish old man riding and making that poor little boy walk. So then he got off and they both walked. And then he heard people say, look at those stupid two people. They've got a donkey and they're not even using it. So both the man and the boy rode the donkey together. And then they heard people say, look at those cruel people abusing that poor animal. They're going to break his back with that load. And they were finally seen walking into town, the two of them, carrying the donkey. And there are some of you today who are weighed down with criticism and you're carrying the donkey. Rather than focusing on the task at hand, you're carrying the donkey. Rather than helping people, you're carrying the donkey. Rather than being positive and a happy person, you're carrying the donkey. There has to come a time when you shut out the harsh criticism and you simply remain diligent in your work and get the donkey off your back. Don't be discouraged. Number five, stay focused on the task at hand and don't give up. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 said, When word came to Sambalot, Tobiah, and guests from the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it. Up until that time, I had not set the doors and the gates. Sambalot and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. Each time I gave them the same answer. Isn't that great? 
Nehemiah said, I'm not going to come down because you're scheming to harm me. I'm going to stay focused on the work at hand. He understood the job was to please God, not men. So he stayed on the wall and he refused to give up. During that particular, particularly difficult time and season of ministry that I talked about a little while ago, I had one week that was just the worst. I, I had said something from the podium that was taken away that I didn't intend, and it wasn't bad. It just it sort of hit a nerve. And so the next week I apologized for that. And, and I was getting really hateful anonymous letters every week in the mail, like clockwork. I mean, they were really, really hateful letters every single week anonymously written. And, and, uh, and, and things were so bad that we had one lady at our church who was kind of leading a quiet but obvious rebellion. She would come to worship, but when I got up to speak, about 20 people would walk out of the room and, and sort of every week, week after week. And, and so it was a discouraging time. And on a Saturday that week, I got a phone call from a, a, an older pastor who was retired and was in our church. And he called me up and he said, Stephen, I've been thinking about you all week. He said, I wanted to tell you, stop reading your bad emails and your bad letters. You're doing a good job. And he said, secondly, stop apologizing. Right now, we need you to lead from a position of strength, not a position of weakness. And that moment where that retired preacher spoke into my life, it radically transformed how I handled both myself as well as the situation. And people would come in, and they would want to say things, and I was responding or defensive like I, like I have been in the past, but now I was changing. And people were saying things like this over and over, and they would come in, and I would say, listen, listen, God called me here. And in the end of all of this, and there will be an end to it, I will still be here, and I will still be standing on the wall, and I will still be doing what God's called me to do as long as he's called me to do it, so you make whatever decision you have to make in this process. And the phrase that went over my mind again and again was Nehemiah's phrase, I'm carrying on a good work, and I cannot come down. And friends, I want to encourage you today. Some of you may be ready to jump off the wall. You've been criticized. You've been beat down. You're thinking there is no way that I'll be able to endure. But friend, listen to me. You can. If God is in your work, if you're standing for what is right, then no amount of criticism should be able to tear you down. Teachers, you may have parents that are criticizing you. Don't give up. Coaches, you may be yelled at from the sideline. Don't give up. Students, somebody at school may be cutting you down this year. Don't give up. Spouses, you may be beaten down by an unappreciative spouse. Don't give up. Employees, you may have a boss that is berating uh, you and breathing down your neck. Don't give up. Bosses, you may have workers that talk about you behind your back. Don't give up. Whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, if the task is noble and the cause is good, just hang in there and don't give up. Keep your eye on the goal because God has called you to this wall. So don't come down. I love the story about Hank Aaron and Yogi Berra as Aaron stepped to the plate and Berra said, hey, you're holding the bat wrong. You got the label turned down. You can't hit the ball with the label turned down. You need to turn the label up so you can read it. And without taking his eye off the pitcher, Hank Aaron said to Berra, I didn't come here to read. I came here to hit. He kept his eye on the goal. You do the same. 
Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15 says, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When our enemies heard about this and all the surrounding nations saw it, our enemies lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. The job was completed, the enemy was defeated, and God was glorified. So when you're criticized, when you are torn down, don't be discouraged. Don't retaliate. Don't attack back. Don't be defensive. Pray. Don't be discouraged. And continue the work that God has called you to do because it is an important work. And when God is on your side, you can handle anything. God, we just give you thanks today. Thank you for the, just the ability to open your word and hear from you, God, and understand how do we deal, God, when there are people attacking us on social media or maybe somebody's saying something about us that's not true or, or maybe there are employees and co-workers that are gossiping about us. God, whatever those things are, help us to remember that we, we don't have to worry about what they're doing. We don't have to be discouraged by what they're doing. If they want to be negative, they can live that way, but we're not going to live that way. We're going to live with that positive attitude. We're going to live by saying, God, whatever you've called us to, that's the job that we're going to accomplish. And so, God, I thank you for the wisdom of those that speak, have spoken into my life. And, and God, none of us are perfect. I, I say things wrong, and, 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 and God, make mistakes, and so does everybody else in here. And that's why, God, we love the fact that the church that we're a part of is a grace-filled place where people, imperfect people come together, encourage one another, support one another. And just say, God, we're on the same team, just trying to do the same mission. So toward that end, God, we pray for your, your, just your grace, your favor on our church. And God, we pray that everybody in here today would be better empowered to know how to deal with criticism through the example of Nehemiah, the Apostle Paul, Moses, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And to that end, God, we give you thanks. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.